everyone. I'm Deborah Martin, and I want to welcome you back to the Invisible Matters show. Today, we are going to meet with a family um, who has a child with special needs. And as I've talked many times about different experiences that people with and without special needs experience, I thought it would be helpful for everyone um, to learn more, hear about resources, just the experience of having a child with special needs. And so my guests today are Carmen and Ray Rodriguez. And I want to thank you all for coming. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank you because I know you had to sort of disrupt your day today Mm -hmm. um, to make this possible. Um, Your son, Evan, you actually had taken him out of school, I think, a little bit early. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ray rearranged his his schedule. So I really, really appreciate it. But I know that this is a passionate conversation for you all. And so um, that's why you wanted to be here. Yes, our pleasure. All right, great. So tell me, um, well, first of all, how old is Evan now? Evan's 15 and a half. He'll be 16 in July. Okay. And so how old was he? um, Or when did you all first discover that he had special needs? I I had, I knew there was something different with him. Having two older, typical developed boys um, Mm -hmm. raised two older ones. Mm-hmm. When, um, before he was one. Okay. Yeah. So like my concern started when he was six months old. I thought mm-hmm. that his head was fairly large. Uh-huh. So I brought that, um, up to his pediatrician and they, they did a, um, an ultrasound of his head and his brain just mm-hmm. to make sure that everything was okay and mm-hmm. everything was fine. And then... Right before the year mark, or maybe right after, right? It was right after the shots when we started seeing the um the change, the regression. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we started seeing that, like immediately I started um talking to his pediatrician about it mm-hmm. and urging her, like, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And um she just kept telling us, like, oh yeah, I could see that there's something off. But I can't put my finger on it. And like, that's what she kept telling us. And I, I wasn't comfortable with that. You I was knew like, I need more. That, that parent instinct yeah. told you. And you, you all both had other children. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, you knew something wasn't. Something I right. didn't know. I didn't know about autism. No one we knew, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I was clueless about it. How old was he when he actually was diagnosed? 18 months old. Okay. We had to wait though, because, um, so the pediatrician, she was like, just to give you peace of mind, I'm going to set him up for early intervention. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's Mm -hmm. start that as soon as possible. So at 13 month old, he was started with physical therapy and occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe during his second visit that his occupational therapist, whom I still keep in contact with, Mm -hmm. um, was like, you know, I could lose my practice for this. But, you know, so keep this between us. But I see red flags of autism. Mm, and I was mm-hmm. like, like, that's literally all she had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, his sessions were only 30 minutes long. So we and she had other kids after him. So I went home and I Googled autism. And then I 
read everything about it. And what I did was something told me just print out the list of all of the, because mm-hmm. everything there was in, in what he was exhibiting. And so usually when you um, see information um, about autism, it talks about communication mm-hmm. uh, skills. That's like I mean, one of the primary young, so areas. Right. I wasn't too concerned um, about that. And what about um, eye contact? Um, that started, remember, so he started regressing. Because at first right. he was giving us eye contact and he was, you know, babbling at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I noticed, what was the strangest with him was the flapping mm-hmm. and the rocking back and forth. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the toe walking came after when he started walking because mm-hmm. he walked late. Mm-hmm. You know, he walked like almost at a year and a half. That was another um, delay in his development. Um, so he had multiple delays yeah, related to aus- delays, autism, the yeah. motor, language, um, fine motor. And the repetitiveness of mm-hmm. like, I remember he would, um, we have between the living room and the kitchen, we have mm-hmm. like a, what do you call that? Divider. Like yeah. Divider. And he would walk on it back and forth, back and forth. Like just, he was just repet or he would go to mm-hmm. a corner and just, and then I just started noticing him disconnecting from us like he like it was almost like we couldn't reach him anymore mm-hmm. and his stare was blank like I couldn't mm-hmm. connect it was almost as if he didn't even know we were his parents it was like so weird mm-hmm. to feel that disconnect has that changed over time oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. it's like night and day he's completely like in our world now because before Wonderful. we were like he's definitely like in his own world not in this world um, so I, I continued, um, speaking to the, his pediatrician about that. And she was like, you know what? She still couldn't tell us. I'm going to schedule you for a neurologist and you go see the team of neurologists and see mm-hmm. what they tell you. So what I did was I decided to, that list that I printed out to highlight all of the, um, mannerism that mm-hmm. he was exhibiting on the, on that list, which was about 90 to 95% highlighted. And then I got a letter from his, both of his therapists, which was the occupational and mm-hmm. the physical. And I wanted them to write on that letter, nothing formal, just like what they saw. What they observed. Yes, what they were mm-hmm. observing. And I went with those three things to the mm-hmm. neurologist, the team of neurologists um, who saw him. Mm-hmm. They were like, no, like he, you're crazy, basically like. Um, we don't see any of like, he's too young to be diagnosed. And, and I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm his mother. I'm with him 24 mm-hmm. seven. By this point I had already resigned from my job. Cause I was like, I need to, I need to be the one mm-hmm. figuring this out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. How, what were your experiences during this time? Um, we were each yeah. in we were our reading own, and researching no, no. as well. We were, we weren't, uh, what do you call it? Uh, United Front. Mm-hmm. We literally like this happens and this is something that happened with us. Mm-hmm. We were we were barely even communicating what we were feeling. We were just yeah. dealing with it on our own. Yeah. That That is so important for yeah, you to say that. Happen. That's why I wanted to mention, you know, that. you know, some marriages, yeah. um, they end up separating yeah. because, you know, the parents don't necessarily agree. One parent might be in denial and not ready, you know, to really accept it. One may be just the opposite, like gung ho, yeah. like we got to get in, you know, get help. And it's difficult. And yeah. if you're not communicating about it, 
We went yeah. through a lot of workshops and we learned that the one of the highest divorce rates is with uh -huh. people with uh -huh. special yeah. needs. Special. Uh -huh. And in a lot of these workshops, I met a lot of single mothers where they were like the dad, you know, their dad didn't want to deal with it or they yeah. were embarrassed by it. Because uh -huh. this is not just that. It's also like them feeling like embarrassed by having a child with special uh -huh. needs or just not yeah. wanting to deal uh -huh. with it and like left, left and like. So this also mm -hmm. happens a lot, right. sadly. As a father and as a man, um, you know, having a son who is, you know, struggling in, in so many, you know, ways developmentally. What, what, what has that been like for you? Um, I had to, there was something that the occupational therapist said. It, it, it really, I found it to be, at first I found it to be somewhat insulting. Mm -hmm. um, but then I realized that it was probably one of the, the, um, the, the probably the best advice that we got, especially for me, which was um, that you have to, you have to realize that what your son has, mm -hmm. learn what he has, and then mourn the son you, you mm -hmm. thought you had. Yeah, and you, and uh -huh. you have to be able to let that go. And mm -hmm. and be able to move on because that's the only way you're really going to be able to pour into the son you do have, and the wife and the family. And uh, for a while, it was it was um, it was a tough go because I kind of didn't want to accept it. You know, so what you're describing, I tell parents quite often. Sometimes it's like going through the process, the grief process when you find out that your child, you know, does have a disability. And so all of those, you know, phases of grief, you know, shock, denial, anger, depression sometimes, and then acceptance. And it's important that you try not to get stuck in any, it, it's okay to experience all of them. But as long as you keep moving through the process. Correct. And to me, you all are such a great example. And that's why I wanted to have you all on here because um, you are just so calm. And I know that you you must be going through a lot mm -hmm. each and every day. Mm -hmm. um, but to me, your level of acceptance of your son, your level of support, um, and and how you present him to the world is to me is is just amazing, and so talk to me a little bit about um, socially. You know, let's let's start with family. Um, was your family accepting of you know his condition? They were. First of all, I was never in denial, like ever. I went through all of those stages of mm -hmm. severe, severe depression mm -hmm. and severely disconnected from the world, including my two older children. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. suffered a lot because mm -hmm. they all, like, I want to say the, maybe the first three or four years, they weren't my focus at all. Like, I couldn't even see past Evan. It was like him and I were in this world and nobody else existed because mm -hmm. my thing was I needed to fix them. I thought I could fix them. I need to find the solution. I'm a, I'm a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So I was like, there's gotta be, there has to be a way, there has to be more. And I was his number one advocate. Yes. I got a lot of help. I did a lot of research. I would spend all night researching. Like I wouldn't even sleep. It was bad. 
Um, but I, I was able to give him all of the resources that we were able to find. Mm-hmm. Like there was nothing I wouldn't do nowhere. I wouldn't go to get him that. And, um, and then I was, I was, I integrated him into everything we did. I didn't, I didn't, cause I, I've noticed that a lot of people isolate, mm-hmm. not only do they isolate themselves, but they isolate their child yes. because they're afraid of what others might yes. think or say. Yes. I was the opposite. It was hard. It was a hard blow to take my son to parties and for him to be ignored when my mm-hmm. other two boys were so social and mm-hmm. so involved and everybody was so involved in their life. So to see him being treated like he was not even visibly yeah. there mm-hmm. was so hurtful. I would leave parties in tears and go to my car and break down. Mm-hmm. And then I would get myself together and come on, we're going to go back in. I'm taking mm-hmm. you to this party. I'm taking you to this Broadway show. I'm taking you to the movie theater. I'm take- He's been traveling. There's nothing that I haven't exposed mm-hmm. him to because I was certain that my son was going to be as normal as possible and that I was going to introduce him to everything in life. And then one amazing lesson that his ex-coworker learned that we learned from his ex-coworker because they had two boys with autism. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that they told us that we took it and we ran with it Mm -hmm. was don't live in his world. Make him live in your Mm -hmm. world. And we saw what that meant with their children because they couldn't be in large crowds at a certain time, they had to be home. Otherwise, right. they will start freaking out. Right. Like, oh, the sun is going down. Like, right. everything was so, um, like, Scheduled strict and, yeah. and structured. Focused. I went the opposite mm-hmm. route. I didn't even mm-hmm. want the structure that the school was telling me I had to implement at home. Because I was like, I'm not a structured person. I, I'm mm-hmm. just not. And I go with the flow. And that's how he's going to be. With that, So what you're describing is one of the things that I also tell parents frequently. Make sure that you're not getting in the way of your child's progress. In other words, based on on your fears or your concerns about, you know, feeling ashamed or embarrassed. Don't keep your child isolated, you know, and and be overly protective um, because you really could be hindering um, progress. If he doesn't have those experiences, then he he may not reach his potential right. and and i know that's hard um to figure out so everyone can hear evan now <laughs> um i know there's a balance you know yeah. to figure out but um i i again i that's why i just love the way you all are parenting because i know you know you do include him in you know everything mm-hmm. that you do mm-hmm. and that's really uh, one of the main purposes of invisible matters this show is to because some of those people who didn't approach you at that party it may not be that they didn't recognize but they just didn't know what Correct. to say how to approach and so one of the reasons that I wanted to do this show was really to help everyone just be more intentionally aware and just learn how to engage um you know other people yeah we 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 learned as we went so just as it was the experience was new to us mm-hmm. it was also new and everyone knew cuz like I said I didn't keep mm-hmm. it from anyone if they asked me or I would just 
I'm one that if you ask me how you're doing, I will tell you exactly how I'm doing. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm fine mm-hmm. if I'm feeling whatever it is I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So um, everyone knew. Um, so as as we started to learn more and mm-hmm. we started to get used to our new normal and what life was going to look like for us, mm-hmm. um, I started telling people like, oh, well, you know what? Because, oh, Evan, I, I say hi to Evan. He ignores me. Or um, I want to talk to Evan or do this. And I'm like, yeah, you have to. You have to be persistent. You have to Mm -hmm. be persistent. You have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. The more you're in his space, the more he will open up to you. You'll break through. Yeah. Yes. Because that's the the number one um, uh, thing that they exhibit Mm -hmm. is the the socialization. Mm -hmm. That's their number one lack. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's not going to know to, you know, socialize with you just because you come and say, hi, Evan, or you, hey, whatever. Like, no, you have to sit and you have to break through that. Mm-hmm. And then, so a lot of our friends and family learn to do that. Yeah. Right. You know, and they right. started getting it. Mm-hmm. So now they are a lot more interactive with mm-hmm. him. But at first it was hurtful because I felt people weren't even trying. Yeah. But then I started mm-hmm. understanding what you said. It's not that they weren't trying. It's just that they don't they know what didn't to know. do. Yeah, that's the important right. part. It's just really realizing that, right. that, that you know, it's ignorance, unfortunately, is, you know, where you can't really blame people for being ignorant we for not, and for not knowing because we didn't yeah, know. Yeah, you, you didn't know anything we about um, autism. Right. And you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so, again, that's why I think the more opportunities for people to hear conversations yeah. like this, um, it will help them grow. Their child may not have the same degree right. of challenges, right. but they may have some. And many parents just struggle with, you know, not wanting to reveal or just conceal, you know, I my child that. has, you know, speech difficulties and, you know, that type thing. Sure. And, so, and with that never. comes not accepting. Mm-hmm. And then we we met someone um, in one of the workshops we went to, her son, at, Evan at the time was like six, mm-hmm. five. Her son was like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And she still didn't accept the diagnosis. She was miserable. It showed. She, even when she spoke about her son, and he was, I think, the youngest. Yes, the youngest. Out of, she had like mm-hmm. four or five. Mm-hmm. And because she wasn't accepting of it, she was miserable. She showed it. And then that's how she was interacting with her son. And she didn't, I, at the time I didn't know, but like, if I knew then I would have, I wish I would have been able to tell her, like, he feels this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. he yeah. feels it. And not, just not to be ashamed. Mm-hmm. Not to be yeah, ashamed. There was a lot of shame in her. And, the, um, and that's hard. It's hard. And, and I, and I, and I admit that it, at first I was, mm-hmm. you know, and because, you know, raising four t- typically developed boys, mm-hmm. um, knowing the mannerisms, knowing what they should be doing at a certain age, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, seeing Evan not reach any of the goals at his age, mm-hmm. you know, made me feel it was guilt. It was a shame. And it's okay to go to Stay tuned for part two.